All right, welcome to the FF Shrinks Podcast. We are your hosts, Nick Morrow and John Rampersad. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nick FF Shrinks and at John FF Shrinks. Today we got a great show, so let's get this therapy session started. I would like to begin this podcast with just a moment of silence for all of our Darius guys hopes and dreams that sadly died this past week. Well, enough of that. Man, I just find it funny how I went from not being too worried about the injury to waking up the next day really sad about the MCL strain to then being devastated at the end of the part of the day after the whole ACL news broke. It was just a bad day for fancy owners. Just a really bad day. How about you, John? How are you holding up? I know you were probably much higher on Darius guys than I was overall. Yeah, Nick, I'm really sad about it. Uh, as you know, I was getting higher on guys as the weeks went by. Uh, everything we heard was good. He looked good at LSU. I had him as like just outside of the RB ones, and someone I was looking to take in you know early third round. So that was really sad. You hate to see injuries, especially when it's like a promising rookie, but. Uh, we'll just have to adjust and go from there, and hopefully uh, guys will bounce back next year. Yeah, it's funny. I think the Darius guys thing was like another reason. That just reminds me, I hate doing any kind of drafts before like week three of preseason gets in. There's like nothing I feel like to be even more depressing of being that owner that's like, hey, I got Darius guys. You start hearing all these reports about how he's going to be so explosive, how Alex Smith loves him, and then the first opportunity that you have to see him to like really validate your draft pick you see him tear his ACL. So I, I just can't condone any kind of like drafting before that. But oh well. Um, so let's go ahead and use that to jump into the next segment, which is the main part of our show today, the seasonal week one recap for preseason. And just for this one, we're just going to bounce around and break down some of the things that really stood out to us um, in those games during the first week for the upcoming fantasy season. All right, to get all that underway, what, the first one? Yeah, let's go ahead and start with the first game that we all saw together. Browns versus the Giants. For me, this is probably, ironically, even though the first one, the one that really stood out the most in a lot of people's minds because I've been really high on the Browns like ever since all this like crazy offseason stuff between Tyrod, them getting Jarvis Landry, Carlos Hyde. I just figured they are going to be a lot better, but they came out the gates where their offense looked really good. They looked fluid. Jarvis Landry is trying to look like how he looked in the Pro Bowl, where he's actually running up the field instead of just like those five-yard dump-off routes. So I think on the Brown side, Jarvis Landry was the biggest thing that stood out to me, like immediately setting a precedent saying, hey, this guy may not just be like similar to how Golden Tate is, where he's going to be like a dump-off receiver getting high target volumes and like barely getting 1,000 yards. He could actually look like he may come out and make a good few plays this year. So that's exciting about that. Um, of course, Saquon Barkley looked fantastic with his first run. The only thing I remember that concerned me, and this is this is where it gets really into like that preseason skepticism that we talked about in the last article um, that I wrote, is I saw more of Jonathan Stewart than I was comfortable with in that first drive working with the starters. Granted, like I said, it's week one preseason. You take it with a grain of salt, but that is something I'm going to watch because I remember when they signed Jonathan Stewart, I just figured it'd be like one of those depth things you'd see every now and then. But if he's going to rotate in more, that's one of those small things I could see if it like was consistent. 
me knocking Barkley down and putting someone up like Alvin Kamara or like Melvin Gordon being more comfortable with him. So how about you, John? Where are some of your takeaways that you saw immediately? Yeah, I definitely like what I saw from the Browns. And it's Tyrod, not Tyrod, Nick. Gosh, get it right. But, uh, I hate this whole thing. I still, it is Tyrod Taylor to me. I'm still going off of that. No, the fact that I hear that that's what he says that he wants to be called. And I don't know if you got a chance to uh, watching the episode of Hard Knocks, but I don't even know his name. The fourth string quarterback. Well, whenever he says Tyrod's name, he like pa- he like pauses for a second. He's like Tyrod, and I was like, why do you do that? And then I came out off it. I came out after. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. That was funny. Yeah, I heard about that. And then I heard like the the other thing where it's like some agent reached out to his mom, and his mom calls him Tyrod. So now I'm getting all these different conflicting reports. Where I just I don't know what the truth is anymore. I'm just gonna call him like T-Mobile or something like that forever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely like, like what I saw out of the Browns and uh, Tyrod. Uh, we we did see, uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't want to see too much of Jarvis Landry because that was someone I was high on and I was getting, you know, in different mocks and drafts uh, continuously in like the fourth round. Um, I think now his ADP is going to shoot up. I kind of, I always liked Jarvis as a receiver and I kind of believed into the fact that he was saying that they just didn't let him run more routes and he was a little slower and you know, doesn't have the size and hasn't really shown that he can, you know, run, you know, run a full route tree or go on the outside. So the fact that we saw that and we see what they've been working on camp, uh, Jarvis kind of solidified himself as like a third round value, uh, especially in PPR formats. So that that is something that's kind of been confirmed, which um, you, you're not getting a discount on him anymore. So that kind of sucks, but he did look good. Uh, I think that will continue. I did like that uh, David Njoku was involved. I know a lot of people you got to wait to get tight end if you miss out on the top tier. So, you know, you, you will feel fine if you take a, a dart throw on. And Joku, if it doesn't work out, you can go elsewhere. But he is someone that's very athletic and showed some upside. Uh, Callaway flashed uh, when, on his touchdown. So a lot, of, a lot of good things about the Browns. Uh, we'll have to wait and see a little more, see if they get Josh Gordon back and how that affects things. But other than that, not really, not really any big takeaways. I love what I saw from Saquon. The issue is that it is like a, a hamstring issue, I believe. So that is something to watch out for. Uh, Saquon is someone I thought as the preseason went, went on, I would start moving him up to maybe like right after the big four of backs. But uh, with some of the injury concern, I think he'll probably stay right around where the ADP is. Uh, we're not really worried about Jonathan Stewart taking any carries at all. I think that's just preseason. So those are my takeaways from, the, from this game. Yeah, I'm with you a lot of those. I think, um, especially when it comes to Njoku, I remember hearing about it recently as a fun reminder is that that dude's athleticism at the tight end position is ridiculous. I think a lot of people forget about that. That thing is probably in the last 17 years, he's one of the most most athletic tight ends that have come out since Vernon Davis. So he definitely could be someone I could see like being a nice fantasy sleeper or a late round pick at the tight end spot. I will admit, you did surprise me on the Jarvis Landry take. Um, I remember before, I think the latest one I looked at is according to Fantasy Football Calculator. I think Jarvis Landry is still slated at the top of the fifth round. I have seen a lot more drafts where people are taking him in the fourth. But third round, that would now that's a fun hot take there. Um, so just out of curiosity, because like what, third round wide receivers I'm seeing right now, Tyreek Hill, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is at 310 
Larry Fitzgerald recently is now at 311. Amari Cooper, 312. Would you take Ty, would you take um Jarvis Landry over any of those wide receivers? Tyreek Hill, Larry Fitzgerald, Amari Cooper. Um Amari Cooper. Uh, it depends on format. If this is a standard league, I'm definitely going uh, Cooper. Any type of PPR, I'm going to go Jarvis. Uh, I'll go Fitzgerald over Jarvis, and I'll go Jarvis over Tyree Kill. And I think at my current rankings, I have Jarvis Landry as like the 13th. Uh, I also moved Doug Baldwin a mm-hmm. good bit down because of the news. If, if week goes by and he seems to be progressing well and he's going to be fine, I'll bump Doug Baldwin back up because I do like Doug Baldwin more than Jarvis. But, yeah, Jarvis is kind of – in entrenched as a high-end wide receiver two for me so yeah i think you know when you get to the end of the third round and some of those receivers you know the digs uh, hilton's and larry fitzgerald's are coming off the board then uh yeah i'm turning to jarvis oh yeah i'm with you i love like i said i love the pick i think that's one of those things where people still have to get used to that jarvis landry did finish as a wide receiver one last year in the dolphins offense so just we were looking at his usage looks like it's going to be up. He's going to be able to make more big splash plays. Maybe if he can keep that touchdown number up, because I think it was like eight last year. Yeah, I can definitely see Jarvis Landry still hanging around. Again, that low-end wide receiver one tier. All right, moving on from that one, we're looking at the Bears versus the Bengals. On the Bears side, um, not too much happened this game. Trubisky started, but uh, he didn't really do too much. Jordan Howard sat out. Didn't see much of Tariq Cohen in here. You know, Allen Robinson still coming back from the injury. The only notable thing is I saw um, Trey Burton moving around a lot in different couple formations, but it's preseason. Take that with a grain of salt. More of the action happened on the Bengals side of things, where the Bengals just had historically bad offense last year. One, their play calling was down. Two, they're just offensive explosion efficiency was just all over the place. They're just bad in every single way. So it's good seeing them come out with a bang. Like the first play, I think, um, first couple plays maybe. It might have been like one, let's say A.J. Green hitting him like on this drag route for about, he ran up the field for about 10, 13 yards, and they hit A.J. Green another time on the sideline. Um, He was able to get up the field. So it was a good reminder that A.J. Green's still there. He looks good. He looks explosive. But I think the biggest splash play that came out for a lot of people was seeing that Joe Mixon play. Um, Right when he was lined up at the slot for what, I mean, out the outside for wide receiver, Nice five-yard hitch route turned into like a 20-yard touchdown run. It was nice. That's another thing I wanted to take with a grain of salt where the knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, my God, Joe Mixon's going to be lined out outside a wide receiver. He is going to be like this baby Le'Veon Bell like everyone's been saying. Hey, and that's a possibility, but I'd still like to see it happen. If that's starting happening consistently in the preseason where you kept seeing Joe Mixon lined up outside, then we can start getting on that narrative where he's going to be much more involved in the passing game. Because in that exact same preseason outing, I still saw a good bit of Gio Bernard working in with the first team offense, and he was still running efficiently. So I'm not ready to crown Joe Mixon as this all incumbent fantasy savior where he's just going to be the next Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, from that game, pretty much took nothing out of the Bears game. They didn't have anyone. So um, you're right. Nothing to see there. Bengals side of the ball. Yeah, I think this is a reminder that the Bengals season last year was probably more of an outlier. We've kind of seen what the Bengals have been the last four or five years, and I expect it to be pretty similar, except for now they actually have an upgraded running back in Mixon compared to what they had in the past with that Jeremy Hill, Gio Bernard combination. So this is a reminder that they are going to kind of bounce back. A.J. Green will go back to typical A.J. Green self. 
which um, I mean, AJ Green when it, when you're, he's not in that super elite tier because he does have a lot more down games than the others, but he also has the crazy big games. So I think you can expect AJ Green to kind of go back to his career norm. And yeah, I don't want to overreact on Joe Mixon either. I think it was encouraging if you keep seeing him, uh, you know, look decent in the preseason. He can push himself up. I know now he's like at the top end of a round three type player. If he continues to show this uh, as we go through preseason, uh, he can definitely jump into the tail end of round two. And, and he has a real, real chance to become a tail end RB1. Um, I'm kind of teetering between him having him as a tail end RB1 or a high end RB2. And he does have, regardless, he does have that Le'Veon Bell type upside. I, you know, I don't think he has one overall upside, but he, he does have uh, room to to grow when it comes to fantasy production. So that was good to see for Mixon. Not going to make any huge adjustments based on it, though. Mm, yeah, I think Mixon's staying the same on my ranking, the same spot where he's right now right outside of that RB1 rank, probably like at like 13 currently. But it will be interesting just to see how he goes forward on that one. All right, next games we're looking at, um, we got the Saints versus the Jaguars. It was another one of those games where quarterback didn't play with Drew Brees, so the Saints all, half the Saints offense that couldn't really take too seriously. Just a couple notes. Um, first play of the game, Alvin Kamara like, went out from the backfield, caught like a five-yard pass, so nice reminder, letting you know how involved he is in the passing game. Mark Ingram looked good. Still not going to see him for like the first four weeks. And then fun little news nugget for Mark Ingram when just don't think I can ever uh, condone pay, taking a suspended player. That's probably going to like require the ADP he has, especially when as soon as that four game suspension's done, the Saints immediately have like I think a week six by. So it's like almost like I'm not getting Mark Ingram for like the first six weeks of the season. So just those two things put together just pretty much knocked him off my draft board. Someone to definitely trade for later. Okay, he still looked good. It was a good reminder of that. Um, outside of that for the Jaguars. Still, Blake Bortles did play in this one, but not too much happened on the passing offense. None of the receivers really still stood out in particular to start getting on our radar. All of them still just pretty much dart throws. Leonard Fournette looked well like Leonard Fournette's constant reminder that he should be a first, like not low end first round pick, really high end second round pick. So those are the main things that stuck out for me. Did you notice anything different, John? Um, yeah, different. Like you said, you, you hit it on the head with the Saints. Not much to take out of it. Kamara will. We should see what we saw from him last year when it comes to usage. You probably won't have like this touchdown efficiency and, and probably won't score as much as last year, but he'll still be used the same way, so that's good to see. Uh, from the Jaguars uh, side of the ball, you're right. No receivers have really stunt, stood out to me yet, and with so many hype for different receivers, that's probably not anyone I will draft. But me being a late quarterback guy and a quarterback streamer, Bortles has finished as a – you know, I think top 15 quarterback almost every year he's had in the league, whether it's garbage time or not. So, um, and, I, and I do think Bortles is slowly improving. I think prior to last year, he, he was dealing with a lot of injuries. So I think he's healthy and he's learned a little bit. And I think he'll be efficient and uh, he'll, he'll be a good streamer to use. Um, yeah, Leonard Fournette is Leonard Fournette. He didn't have the whole starting offensive line out there. Uh, he, he didn't show me anything that he's going to be any different than last year. So hopefully if he's healthier, he'll be an outstanding pick. If, if he stays healthy the full season, he'll be a, a big value in drafts. Yeah, I'm with you with everything on that one. All right, so there's not much more to cover on that one. Let's move on to the only preseason game that really mattered. My Eagles versus the Steelers. Main takeaway, 
even Nate Sudfield's an amazing quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Nate Sudfield. Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. But um, yeah, same kind of thing. Wynn's still not playing due to the ACL. Um, we're still not sure if he's even going to start at week one at this rate. Just keep a good eye on that. And um, hopefully, I'm, I'm actually hoping more and more ambiguous news comes out of it. So Carson Wentz keeps falling down draft boards. I'd love to be able to like, snag him up later in drafts. Um, possibly if he just gets down around that Jimmy Garoppolo range. Then what else happened on the Eagles side? JJ, he came out. He looked really good with a strong, explosive, like 20-yard run from the goal line. I think the main thing that I don't think a lot enough people are talking about is while we love to trade last year for JJ, we realized that he's in such a crowded backfield that we all kind of just said, okay, he's going to be like our third, fourth-round pick. All just depends on the personality. The Eagles are hurt everywhere. Carson Wentz is hurt. Alshon Jeffrey, we're dealing with news where he may even start on like the pup list. Um, Nick Foles, he's had some spasms. He'll probably still be fine by week one. But I think it's all just more indications that the Eagles may start off this season, especially if Carson Wentz is coming out of the gate. They're not going to let Carson Wentz run all over the field like he was last year. The Eagles are going to start off running the ball. And I think that does bump up JHI's value and seeing him be able to burst out that strong 20-yard run is another reminder of that. The main thing is just trying to figure out how involved Corey Clement is going to be. He looked good in preseason too. I um, had a nice couple solid runs. He was involved in the passing game. Main thing is I still think Ajayi could still average about, if you're getting 15 to 18 carries from a running back in the as ADPs right now, what? At the three, you know, he's at the 402 right now according to Fantasy Football Calculator. So yeah, if you're getting him in the late third, early fourth, and he's getting like at least 18 touches. I'm fine with that, even if Corey Clement could, came, could come in and even snakes infiltrate some goal line touches. On the Steelers' side of the ball, Big Ben didn't start. Le'Veon still in his holdout. So the only significant thing we saw was um, Juju Smith-Schuster deciding to moss that Eagles cornerback. I still say that was a push-off, by the way, so that should not have counted whatsoever, but it's okay. The NFL wants to be that way. It's a great play, though. 70-yard touchdown run. It was... It was rough for me to see because I am one of those people that do not believe in Juju Smith-Schuster based off the ADP. Love the talents, but I just can't get on board drafting the second string wide receiver like in the based off his ADP like in the fourth round. So I can't take a second string wide receiver to possibly be the first wide receiver on my team if I like went three straight running backs or went two running backs and a tight end or something like that. There's a possibility for a couple owners out there. And I don't think I can get on board with that. But that was the main things I saw. Um, anything stand out differently um, you, John? Yeah, Eagles are probably still, based on what I saw, going to avoid all their running backs at their current ADPs. I think it will be a mix. And, you know, we still have Darren Sproles. And Ajayi will get more carries. Um, I don't think he's going to be that valuable to fantasy as, as a fantasy asset. I'd rather get running backs so I think has a chance to take a bigger percentage of the workload. Um yeah, uh, on the Eagles side of the ball, since, you know, Winston play, no foals, not much to take. Um, for the Steelers, once again, not much, not much to take out of it. Um, not based, I wasn't really impressed at all about what Juju Schmitz-Schuster did, but even without that, I've actually started to kind of warm up to, to, to Juju. I think that the Bengals offense is going to be pretty, I mean, the, Bengals, the Steelers offense will be pretty prolific. I was like, did you just get traded? Yeah. I was like, Where, yeah, like where's I mean, my with, uh, with AB and Le'Veon in the backfield? And I, I think I think 
Juju is set up to have, to kind of repeat what he did last year, which would, which would kind of put him at that spot of where he's going now. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, one one other thing going back to the Eagles, um, the what I did I would want I do want to keep an eye on Dallas Goddard because uh, you know just how Trey Burton took away a few touchdowns from Zach Ertz last year that could happen again this year and if Goddard continues to look good it may even he may even cut in a little bit more than people want so I mean Ertz is probably not a tight end I'm looking at his ADP so. Um, I mean that that is something to monitor there. That that was good to see that. Uh, I did like Goddard's take coming out of college, and he, he did look like he's uh, picking up where he left off. Oh yeah, no, Goddard looked good. He literally looked like a Zach Ertz clone um, when I was looking at him. So that is a good point, especially where it, Zach Ertz could end up being. Where I can see him increasing maybe a little bit in yardage as he gets more accumulated, um, more familiar with the system. But yeah, the touchdown regression could occur. Because I remember he had like eight last year, and he just seemed like he would score like almost every single week when Wentz was um, still healthy. I could see him becoming more of a Greg Olson type, where he gets high target volume. He ends up with eight to eight hundred yards, nine hundred yards, a thousand yards, but just like five touchdowns or four touchdowns. And so that should dip down his ADP because people are still taking him in that in between spot where they expect you may have the upside of like a Travis Kelsey but then have the floor of a Greg Olson. I think he may just start going back towards Greg Olson's floor. All right. And then moving to the next game. Uh, this one's one of the weirder ones, the Bucks and the Dolphins. So it's like, Brian, I know Brian Fitzpatrick got the start. Um, he looks fine. Nothing, nothing too terrible or anything like that. Mike Evans made a couple plays, which is good to see. I think the main takeaway, at least on the Bucks side, was their running back situation. I know a lot of hype just because this is how it is. Every year we get new rookies. We all love rookies in fantasy, especially at the running back position. We all think they're going to come in like Alvin Kamara, Zeke, and just dominate. And Ronald Jones the second. everyone loves the idea of Ronald Jones. I get it. He comes in the Bucks offense. You don't think he's going to really have any competition. He can get the lion's share. Peyton Barber's still there. And preseason, along with this newest report talking about Peyton Barber still listed as the starter, showed that he that this is one of those running backs fields I may just want to avoid because Peyton Barber came out he looked good scored a nice touchdown at the goal line and then when it came to Ronald Jones he came in more so second team he made a couple plays he got a touchdown himself still didn't look that strong in the passing game um just from off the film I saw and just the Bucks situation as a whole the team looks like it could be weird but I know it's just preseason week one. Peyton Barber just seems like he has more of a hold in that position. And we're just letting the hype of just the rookie take over. But we'll see as time goes along with that. Dolphin side, Ryan Tannehill looked fine. Nothing too bad. Nothing too good from everything. Um, nothing came on the wide receiver side. Running backs, the only one that we got a really decent workout was Kalen Balage. And I know a lot of people have been talking about him as a possible sleeper. I still don't see that. Um... I don't see him being able to come in and really put a dent necessarily in Kenyon Drake's fantasy value or Frank Gore starts coming in. Possibly as a goal linebacker, I could see that being a problem just due to the size. But aside from that, I didn't see anything spectacular. Yeah, from that on the Bucks, um, Jameis looked like he'll come in and kind of pick off, pick up from where he left off last year whenever he comes in this year. Um, not worried about Mike Evans. Uh, he was involved. Um, got a couple catches. He'll he'll get uh, targets regardless of who the quarterback is. Uh, I do I do think the Peyton Barber 
uh, take is big in this, even though it is one preseason game. I I wasn't big on Ronald Jones, and he kind of just confirmed. I know it's just one game, not writing him off yet. He could still be great. Um, but the fact that they come out and give Peyton Barber the starting job, and it's not like Peyton Barber looked horrible last year. He kind of just got the job done. So, you know, I could definitely see him being the majority back throughout the year. And uh, for where he's going to be going in drafts, you know, if you have to, you just need a late round running back that if you in a desperate situation might need to throw in to give you a decent floor, uh, Peyton Barber could be that. So I did take that away from the Bucks side. Dolphins side, not much to take out. Um, so don't think I'm in on Drake at his current ADP just because I think they are going to rotate between him, Gore, and Mirage. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right, so let's go ahead and start moving through these a little bit quicker. Let's go into the next game. All right, the Panthers and the Bills. Outside of the Giants and the Browns, this was probably the most impactful preseason game for the stuff I saw, uh, mainly just because of the whole Christian McCaffrey thing. I know he's been one of the biggest topics in fantasy just based on what North, North Turner has been talking about, the amount of touch he's going to get. Like I said, preseason game one, take it with a grain of salt. Mentioned Christian McCaffrey specifically in the last article we have on the site. But he kind of looked like he was proving North Turner like completely right. The whole entire like offensive series, when the first team was in there, Christian McCaffrey was the main back, dominated the touches. Um, they had, had like three carries, a couple catches in there. He looked great when he was out in space. Still the same issues when he was running between the tackles. So I don't think my opinion of McCaffrey has changed. Just the amount of how much volume he's going to get to see if he can be like a baby Alvin Kamara in terms of just production, which is fine for a second round pick. So that helps um, assuage my worries with McCaffrey a little bit with the whole C.J. Anderson signing. We'll see how preseason goes about with that. I think the other thing, the only other real big thing that stood out for me is the on the Bills side just, and like I said, still preseason week one, but I could not help but feeling what's the word I'm looking for just relieved at how the offense looked. We all expected the Bills offense looked like trash between the quarterback changes, the offensive line coming in. Even with Shady not playing, Chris Ivory showed that he was able to run through holes. He got involved in the passing game. So I'm just imagining Shady being productive in that kind of role. All the quarterbacks looked good. I'm even all the way down to Josh Allen being able to make some plays. And Kelvin Benjamin's probably the biggest takeaway from the Bills offense. I remember last year we kind of cooked him for dead during the trade since it was midseason. Now that he's had a whole season underneath his belt um, to get used to the Bills like organization. Um, he's able to make a couple good solid catches, nice touchdown grab. Maybe he's motivated from all the controversy between him and Cam. But overall, the Bills looked really good on that side. What about you, John? Yeah, when it comes to the Panthers, seeing how McCaffrey was uh, was being used is kind of what they said. And uh, that kind of just confirmed that his ADP is correct, not moving him up, not moving him down. But, you know, when you're in the middle, second to tail end, especially PPR, I'm gladly taking him. He still has the floor. And if he just breaks a few big, either a big run or some more big uh, receptions, he could uh, knock it up in the, in the touchdown total and he can become very valuable. So saw that on the Panthers side. Other than that, um, nothing really jumped out on me. When it comes to the Bills, um, that was good to see that the Bills didn't look as bad as I thought they would. Um, I don't know who's going to be the starter. I do like Josh Allen, kind of unlike everybody else. So I thought he didn't look horrible, so that was good. Um, they, it, the, with the whole shady situation, um, 
I'm starting to lean that maybe nothing will get um, decided on this year. If that's the case, I think Shady should be like an early third type of back because uh, he doesn't look like he's you know completely lost it. Um, we'll have to monitor a couple more preseason games. Um, I was in. Kelvin Benjamin went from being fully off my radar to completely jumping on my radar, and like I kind I I want that guy at the very end of my draft so that I can get random touchdowns here and there. But then again, I think I we heard recently that he had some knee swelling afterwards, the same knee that he's had multiple surgeries on, something like that. So I I think Kelvin is just. Injuries are just going to – I mean, he's a big guy, so I think these injuries are, have too much stress on his knees. And, 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 and I think he's one of those guys that – it's kind of always happened with Kelvin is he gets kind of banged up and then he becomes absolutely useless for, for football, for the actual team and for your fantasy team. So unless, you know, it comes to drafts in a couple weeks and Kelvin's back up there saying, no, it's not swollen anymore, everything's fine, he's running around um, – good, then he'll probably be someone I don't want. Uh, if he does repeat this, he comes back, it was nothing, and he does what he did uh, last week, then he will start to climb on my board. But other than that, uh, not much to take away. Uh, not, not much else to take away from this game. Yeah, that was a really good point about Calvin, because I remember getting that same report about the knee swelling. Right now, I'm not too worried about it, because um, he's still going, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, at the 10th round, 10.04 pick. Um, currently, so a lot, a lot of other players like that I'm looking at, like wide receivers wise, what Sterling Shepard, Calvin Ridley, or around that area, uh, Alan Hearns, Devontae Parker was a little bit before it. They're just wide receivers that I know you can take a dart on, they're just gonna most likely just end up back in the free agency pool. Kelvin's one of the few ones where you're saying, he's like, hey, he's an absolute, he is the number one receiver starting, so he still does in, have initial fantasy value and it would be interesting to try to hold on to him and see exactly what happens from it but you are right he is still proven to be injury prone so just someone want to keep an eye on so he definitely did jump back up on my radar after that one yep right the next game oh yeah the rams and the ravens on the ram side jared goff didn't play todd Gurley didn't really play so you really saw like nothing from the rams offense that worth commenting on on the Ravens side of things, you saw just a couple things that jumped out. Um, Alex Collins had a nice strong run. Nice reminder of that Alex Collins is a good running back that still does not seem to have a ton of crazy competition for his workload. I know Buck Allen's there. Raids like vultures some touchdowns as always. Kenneth Dixon didn't even dress for this game. So injury concerns as always. Me not being too worried about Kenneth Dixon. Um on the offensive side, I was disappointed. I did not see a lot of big highlights from John Brown, despite all the, like the constant notifications we're getting about how good he looks in practice. So hopefully the next week can show out. Um, Crabtree didn't make a nice play saying, hey, I am alive. Not ran a nice little out and up move on the cornerback. So that was pretty nice. Nice solid reminder that Crabtree does exist at that solid, what, seventh, sixth round ADP range if you – Need like a low end wide receiver too, possibly that's high upside of the red zone. Um, the only other thing I saw is like Hayden Hurst came in, had a couple catches again. So that's the second game in a row where I've seen Hayden Hurst get involved in the offense, which is it was pretty pleasing for me to see, just because I know Joe Flacco's history of like heavily targeting the tight end in the past when it came down to something like Dennis Pitta. So something I still want to keep an eye on. Anything you saw on your end, John? Yeah, from this game, uh, nothing I take from the Rams. 
Uh, when it comes to the Ravens, it's kind of, I was, after last season ended, I was like, oh, I'm going to be high on Alex Collins coming into the season. And then you hear a lot of that Kenneth Dixon hype, which I'm not really sure where that's coming from, but there is a lot of that out there. And I mean, did kind of get me a little scared. And I was like, okay, maybe his fifth round ADP or whatever is reasonable. But after just, you know, even though it is preseason, just like a run, Alex Collins is what we saw last year. And Buck Allen, like you said, he'll take some carries, take some looks, just like he did last year, and Alex Collins still performed. So Alex Collins is now solidly in that uh, third-round discussion. Um, that's kind of where I felt, you know, felt about him going into the offseason. But a certain, you know, the whole Ken and Dixon stuff kind of pushed him down. So he kind of brought himself back up says, hey, you know, I am what you thought I was last year, so draft me, draft me that way. And the Ravens offense should be a little better, so maybe he'll get some more red zone looks, stuff like that. Uh, Crabtree hasn't really made, changed for me just based off that. I think he's still like a high-end wide receiver three. Um, that's that's about it for me for this game. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next one down the list, ah, the dreaded Redskins-Patriots game. I wish they didn't even play this game. Like, none of, like Tom Brady didn't start. Rex Burkhead didn't start. Gronk didn't start. Whereas the Redskins would just like forfeit it, like just won by default. And then Darius Geis would not have gotten hurt. So not even Alex Smith played in this game. So really not much to go over except for the sad um, Darius Geis injury that we already talked about. The main thing is just going to try to keep an eye on the Redskins backfield to see who steps up after that. Rob Kelly is still there. And last time we saw Rob Kelly, um, he still had value as like a flex, low end RB2 High in RB3 kind of option, depending on the week. The only problem is now Samaje P. Ryan's in the mix. So just keep an eye on that for the next couple um, preseason games to see who kind of emerges out of that whole backfield while Chris Thompson's still recovering from injury. Yeah, there's really nothing really much to really talk about on that one, in my opinion. How about yeah, you, John? Yeah, I hate this game. No comments. <laughs> yeah, that game, uh, that game pretty much wrecked my week. That, that definitely wrecked my week. But one of the games that picked me up a little bit afterwards, the Titans and the Packers game. Um, starting on the Packers side, like I said, same thing. Aaron Rodgers didn't play, but just a couple notes from two players. Devontae Adams looks spectacular. He just – Devontae Adams just looks good. I, I'm a huge Devontae Adams supporter this year. I have him ranked even higher than some people like have like Julio Jones because I'm just a believer in just the plug-and-play. Aaron Rodgers, number one wide receiver could easily get like 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. Devon Adams had 10 touchdowns with Brett Hundley as the quarterback. So I feel like that's like case in point right there. But he came out, looked really solid um, with his two catches for about 57 yards. And then on the running back side, Jamal Williams, um, he came out, looked strong. Of course, he's a starter. He's going to be an uncontested starter for at least the first two weeks of the season while Aaron Jones is suspended. I was happy to see him have a nice catch outside the backfield in order to get into the end zone to try to stave off the Aaron um, Jones things. Because for me, I like Aaron Jones too. He looked really good from last year, but I just hate running back by committees. So I just want Jamal Williams to destroy it in preseason and just keep Aaron Jones on the bench so we don't have to worry about another committee situation where fantasy owners are trying to figure out which back do they start in the week because that just looks like it could be a muddled mess, especially when you throw Ty Montgomery in there. Um on the Titan side of things, the main thing to stand out, the Titans uniforms look awesome. Me just seeing them just made me want to take like Derrick Henry just in the first round based off the uniform alone. But aside from that, um, the main thing I think I was looking at because Mariota did play, didn't really see any standout um, plays from the wide receivers. They're still a little muddled. 
Corey Davis, I know, is still dealing with injuries right now. Big thing for me is the running back rotation between um, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. Because I know a lot of us were on Derrick Henry after DeMarco um, left the team, but the Deion Lewis signing really tampered our expectations. It was about what I would expect. Derrick Henry started off the game, first cracks. They get like three rushes for 11 yards. Deion Lewis sprinkled in there a little bit. Um, the main thing was just the red zone usage because that's where the value for me of Derrick Henry comes in. Just the dude's like 6'3", 250. You just automatically assume he's just going to be a red zone running back. And I think what, when they got in the red zone, especially at the five-yard line, it's about what I expect. Derrick Henry gets got like the first two shots in. Once it hit third down, then they start bringing in Deion Lewis. And then from then, he was just in for the rest of like that red zone period. So... It looks like right now, especially based on the money they paid him, 60-40 situation if I had to take a knee-jerk reaction. We'll see how the rest of the preseason looks, but that was my initial take from there. Yeah, when it comes to the Packers, kind of just reconfirm. I think we're both in agreement on Devontae Adams. We have my fourth overall, so uh, we're in agreement there. Um, I do. It's funny. Actually, I was doing like a Yahoo mock draft, and we got into this big debate on Jamal Williams. Um People, I, I mean, I do like, I mean, Aaron Jones did look pretty good, but I, people are, like, appointing Aaron Jones as, like, the next best back in the league, how some people talk about him, and he just didn't really show that to me. And, and I think people underestimate the fact that Jamal Williams is a better pass blocker, and that's important. That's important to Mike McCarthy. And um, we've seen backs like Eddie Lacy uh, in his last, you know, year with the, with the Packers. How are you still able to have fantasy relevance? Uh, just by being a Packer uh, running back. And he, you know, even with him being all slow, he was catching ball, touchdowns out of the backfield. So I think Jamal Williams is still underrated, and he's definitely worth the draft pick at his current ADP. Uh, for the Titans, didn't uh, I don't think we saw, I don't know how much the starting receivers were out there. Um, nothing kind of, my mind wasn't really changed at all um, for the backs. Kind of what I expected. Um, Derrick Henry's not someone, you know, when he gets three carries, not someone I expect to see something super sexy or a huge play. He's one of those guys that he keeps getting carries, getting carries, or he has that one, one cut and he, he breaks it. So, um, he's going to get goal line that was confirmed or, you know, first crack at it. So nothing, nothing changed, um, my opinion when it comes to those backs. All right. Then moving on to the next game, we had the Texans and the Chiefs. On the Texans side of things, um, Deshaun Watson came out, so it was good to see him out there. Um, he didn't do too much, so didn't expect it. No, there were no 50-yard bombs to Will Fuller, unfortunately, so we had to temper expectations on that. It does not happen every time Watson's on the field. What I did see, though, was Lamar Miller. I know Lamar Miller is like that, uh, just that grungy pick that no one's happy making, but it's like it's one of those things that you just it's never a bad pick. And hey, he looked good in these in preseason so far. Um, he had two strong runs, both for 10 yards. Then the main note that I remember of the offseason is that he said he lost um some weight, got back to his 216 playing weight from when he was in Miami. And I think that's what everyone forgets. Lamar Miller came out of the draft. He ran like either a high four three, four, four range. He was known as a more of a speedy explosive back, and we saw that in Miami a lot. It was just when he went to Houston, put on some more weight. Um, started becoming more of a between the tackles runner. So if he slimmed down, he looked explosive out of the gate. I think it's just gives you a little bit more upside for Lamar Miller. Um, Dante Foreman still haven't seen too much from him. He's still coming back from that um, Achilles injury. So 
Lamar Miller for at least a few weeks of the season. You know you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any disputed carries on that one. Uh, moving on on the Chiefs side of things, Patrick Mahomes started. Same thing. Sadly, I didn't see any like crazy bombs down the field. Unfortunately, I expected at least one, but uh, that was disappointing. On the receiving side, Tyreek Hill got a little involved. Travis Kelsey got a little involved. Mahomes only threw for about like 30 yards anyway, so you didn't really see anything crazy on that end. And Andy Reid kept it pretty close to the vest on his play calling, so nothing to indicate that. So a pretty vanilla game on both sides um, for these teams. Anything you had to say about this, John? Uh, no, Texans, yeah, Lamar Miller showed that he may be uh, that solid running back that you don't want, that can help your team depending on how you draft. Uh, outside of that, nothing to take from that game. And on the Chiefs side, didn't really see enough. I'm not going to make a sweeping statement on uh, on that offense based on that. So, no, nothing changed, nothing to take away from me um, from the Chiefs side. All right. So let's go and jump to the next one. We got the Cowboys and the Niners. Um, on the Cowboys side, it was good after hearing all these like training camp reports about how the Cowboys offense has struggled when it came to passing. Dak Prescott came out, threw a nice little 30-yard strike to um, the third-round rookie Gallup in the end zone. So that was good to see that even without his uh, normal options of like Dez and Jason Witten, Dak seems like he still may be able to put up some decent fantasy numbers. We'll see. I still don't believe it. I think it's, their passing offense is going to struggle a lot. The main take, of course, was still no Zeke Elliott just because preseason. We saw more of um, Rod Smith in there, and he looked pretty good. Um, that offensive line is still the offensive line. It's just more evidence why I still have Zeke as my number one back. No matter what's back there, he's just going to get a ton of work. He's going to get more involved in the passing game. So I still love Zeke on that end. That's the main things I saw on the Cowboys side of thing. Moving on to Niners, didn't see too much from Garoppolo um, in this one. He did not look like he was still like scorching through the earth like he did at the end of the season. Um, saw a good few targets to Marquis Goodwin to help along the narrative that those two are creating a connection together. Didn't see much from PR Garcon. I think the biggest thing for me is this just, uh, I feel like this is just me and my personal war against Jarek McKinnon. He only had a couple carries. You can't take anything from a couple carries in preseason. It's just the way he runs. I just can't see it. I don't, I don't know. It's like if there's one person I feel like that could end up being a trap, like I kind of liken him to the Lamar Miller a few years back when we were all super hyped about Lamar Miller first going to the Texans and he was going to get this crazy workload and he's worthy of like a early second round, late first round pick. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting from Jarek McKinnon. He's even hurt now. So we may not even see him for the rest of the preseason. So we're going off of purely that small sample size and nothing but faith in the Kyle Shanahan offense. And uh, that just that just doesn't sit well for me. But aside from that, did you see anything in this batch of games, John? Yeah, in this game, um, just got to keep an eye on Michael Gallup. That was uh, great that he was involved. You know, he was able to score a touchdown. Uh, didn't really take anything else from that side of the ball. When it comes to the Niners, um, when it comes to Jarek McKinnon, uh, I don't know how if I really expected much more, but the fact was, I mean, McKinnon was still what an RB two, um, or maybe like a very maybe tail end RB two last year um, on the Vikings, and that was. I, mean, I don't think he's going to yield as many carries to Brita as uh, he did to Latavius, and he just really fits the, what Kyle Shanahan wants in that offense, so. As I am not on him at his current ADP, 
I would want him a bit later. Um, if someone were to take him, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be mad. You're not gonna be mad. Be mad. You'll be sad because you won't. You probably won't put up the numbers that are warranting where you're drafting him. But he's not someone who's gonna kill your team. I don't think at all. So uh, that that was kind of my take. I'm not, I'm not too worried about what I saw from him. Do want to keep an eye if he looks like this every single game? I, I think I'd be surprised by that. But um, that is kind of my takeaway there. Uh, the Niners starting offense didn't really move the ball that much. Um, not too worried. I know Marquis Goodwin had a catch. Everyone's high on him. I think he's going to continue to be Jimmy's favorite target. And uh, nothing else there. All right. Yeah, no, some of these preseason games, there's not much to really get too deep into because, you know, week one, it's just good seeing football out there again. Um, with that in mind, though, one thing that was good for all of us to see was Andrew Luck returning for the Colts in the Seahawks game. Oh, man, I miss Andrew Luck on the field. With that said, he didn't do too much. Um, most of his passes were just dump-offs. I don't look at that as being an indication that they're not going to have as Aaron on attack. Keep in mind, his off, um, the new head coach is coming from the Eagles offense, and we were very vertical down the field, so I didn't look into that. Just trying to get Andrew Luck's feet wet, so he looked fine. A couple of good um, zip passes to show they still had the arm strength to T.Y. Hilton down the middle. I was happy about that. I think the main takeaway I had for a second was Marlon Mack. He did look pretty explosive coming out of on the backfield for a couple catches. Downside, though, is that he did injure his hamstring, some kind of pull or strain. And just for me in fantasy, hamstrings are like the worst things. I, I hate seeing in players. No matter how many weeks you take off, that thing just keeps nagging, can always come back. So... Mahler Mac definitely took a not a hit on my personal board. Um, we'll keep an eye on it to see how it goes. None of the other running backs really came out and did anything spectacular. So that was it for the on the Colts side of things. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson looked sharp, came out there, still trying to prove to everyone else's mind that he should be one of the top quarterbacks taken in fantasy if you decide to take one a little bit earlier. Um, Chris Carson came out, looked pretty good, especially with the me- recent news about the broken fingers suffered by Rashad Penny. So seeing Chris Carson out there looking pretty good was definitely a welcome sign for any Chris Carson, Chris Carson believers out there without Doug ball in the field, nothing really else on the receiving side for Seattle is mainly just the Chris Carson and Russell Wilson show first team. And we saw Rashad Penny sprinkle in, but now the injury will be interesting to see how his ADP changes from being that. I don't know. High, middle in, fourth round pick, maybe a fifth round pick to see how far it drops down. Now. Yeah, on the cold side of the ball, great to see luck. Uh, the offense will be a little bit different now since they um, are running uh, a new offense there. I know, I don't know how much to compare it. They could tailor it a little bit different based on what the Eagles did last year with Wentz. I don't know, maybe we'll see a bunch of RPOs, maybe we won't. I don't know what to really expect, but the, the fact of the matter is luck is still luck, still super high on him. That instilled more confidence in him. That was great. Um, I completely agree with you on the uh, Marlon Mack take. Hamstrings, you don't mess You pull a hamstring, that's going to mess you up for a while. We've seen a lot of guys over the years, they get a hamstring injury and they're just not able to come back. So pretty much completely out on Marlon Mack. Uh, and then as the preseason goes on, I keep an eye on. Right now, my favorite is Wilkins. Uh, maybe it's Christine Michael, or maybe it's Naheem Hines, or I don't know. Maybe Terman comes back from suspension. I don't know. So that's just something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Seahawks side of the ball, yeah, Russell Wilson looked good. Um, 
Carson will start shooting up boards. Uh, Penny will drop a good bit, like we saw Sony Michelle drop from what was he going anywhere from fourth, fifth, sixth round to like the ninth, tenth round. Now I'm seeing. So I think we'll we'll see a big drop off of Penny if we don't see him healthy back in, in more preseason action. Um, I do uh, my takeaway from the receiving side is that Nick Vanette touchdown. He was someone that wasn't on my uh, wasn't on my draft board for tight ends. But I know Russell Wilson has gone to the tight end in the past, whether it's been Jimmy Graham or Luke Wilson. Um, they have less. Yep, yep. they have less now. targets now uh, on offense. So I think Vanette is someone that can give you solid fantasy value, especially uh, what the tight endscape looks like now. So those are my takeaways from this game. All right, cool. All right, then let's go ahead and go to the next one with the Falcons versus the Jets. So this is your fun game of the week, John. Falcon side. Literally, the score indicates what the Falcons did. Nothing. Um, I don't even know. I don't even think a lot of their players even play in this one. And then when Matt Ryan was out there, it was just pretty much three and out and done. So no takeaways on the Falcon side at all. Um, I don't even want to. I don't even think that's an indication about Sark and his play calling yet. On the offensive coordinator side, we'll still see how the season comes along. We've just heard nothing but good things from the players about how um, them and Sarkeesian starting to get on the same page, but we'll see how that goes. On the Jet side of thing, as in, John, you can help me out with this. I think uh, I was just jarred because I was been such a big supporter of like Crow, especially getting him like in the eighth round as a possible flex player. And then seeing Bilal Powell start the game, that just kind of threw me for a loop. And it was like, okay, maybe Crow's hurt or something like that. And then no, I saw Crow working on the rotation, like once they actually got to the goal line. So do you give me any further clarification on the whole Bilal Powell starting the game situation? Yeah, I think that's just, you know, Bilal Powell has been with the Jets. I can't remember what year he was drafted, what, back in like 2011. So he's been on the Jets for, what, seven seasons. And if Bilal Powell had something – then he would have gotten the opportunity to show that already, you know, at some part earlier in his career. And he's a running back, so it's not like he's going to get any faster or stronger or anything like that. Um, I, I think he's kind of solidly in that third down back role. Maybe he'll take a drive here or there as Crowell takes a breather. Um, I'm still not, I'm not worried about it at all. I think Crowell is still a value. And, you know, we saw him on that receiving play. How he really put it on the line to, to get into the end zone. And I can see him getting more opportunities like that, too. So where his ADP is, I'm still completely on Crowell, and I'm not worried at all um, about, about uh, Bilal Powell. Um, being a Jets fan, though, I, I will say that I love what I saw from Darnold. Um, I think he's the next greatest quarterback, best quarterback in Jets history. And man, I'm, I'm fully, fully all in. I'm buying into the hype, and I think Darnold's the best. Um, however, even though we saw Wentz, and this is not a biased opinion whatsoever. Not a biased not opinion, a biased opinion not at all. But I will say this, that, uh, you know, we saw even Carson Wentz wasn't fantasy relevant in his first season. So uh, I, don't, I don't think Darnold's someone that's going to be on the radar or really elevate anybody. But uh, I think there's not much change in my opinion on Jets. Keep an eye out and see if Darnold, I know he's starting this week, if he looks really good and he's hooking up with Robbie Anderson, stuff like that, maybe, maybe the ADP will rise a little bit there. Falcons, I know it's just like one drive. Um, really hate Sargon's play calling. Still hate him. Um, I think they're playing like a whole, I think so the Stars are going to play the whole first half maybe in the next one. So let's keep an eye and see if he has better play calling. 
if the Falcons aren't able to move the ball again, I, I would start to get worried about, you know, Devonta Freeman and Ted Coleman and Julio and, and Matt Ryan and pretty much everyone on that offense. So that that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm going to keep it. I don't think I'm too worried about it. Um, I think that's just one of, the, one of those things where Sark is just going to cap them off, where they may have like a – they may just be at their floor because like the thing one of those stats is that Devonta Freeman is like the only like running back that's had like 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns like each of the three years. Even last year he was hurt where he still got that. So I think Devonta Freeman still going to get his. Sark may not let him be like the top end run, like running back in the top five like he was before, but he'll still be productive. Julio, like even last year, is still getting like a million catches, 1,400 yards. He's just not going to score. His like touchdown efficiency is just going to be even lower than it was before, and it was pretty low before. So I think that's the only thing I'm worried about, Sark. And I think you're starting to see that effect where all the Falcons are more so being like second-round picks between Julio and um, Devonta Freeman. Matt Ryan, I still think of him as a possible nice late-round quarterback, especially for streaming options because I just feel like the offense is going to be better. How much better from last year? I don't know yet, but we'll see how that goes. All right, and then the next one, ah, uh, yeah, the Raiders and the Lions. The Raiders, uh, the Raiders game was funny. I'm uh, not gonna say. I think there was only a couple times this first week of preseason I can say like my jaw literally dropped. Probably the first one was, of course, seeing like Saquon Barkley. Second one was how efficient like just Tyrod Taylor was looking. And then when I saw Marshawn Lynch bust out that 60-yard run, I was like, well, well, Beast Mode's back, and bye-bye, Doug Martin. And then, of course, then the penalty came in. So I do miss old preseason. Like, I remember, like, back in the day for preseason, like, you would see that, and it'd only be the people that, like, recorded it or watched the game live that would ever see that. See that. But then now, between, like, all the different, like, social media channels and, like, TV, just everyone knew about that play, so... It's like not a secret that Marshawn Lynch still looks good. So that was my biggest takeaway. Um, before, I wasn't as high on Lynch because I was worried about Doug Martin. But between like what John Gruden's saying, where they seem like they're going to go more into like that old school 1950s football where they're going to try to like ground the ball and seeing that Marshawn Lynch still has it, that gets me excited. Um, I saw Doug Martin work into the rotation there. So I'm still trying to get a good feel of what that whole situation is. You're not going to get that out of preseason. The main thing I do know is like Marshawn got first cracked and he looked good. And I think he just has a bigger resonating presence on the team, which I do believe that does go a decent way. Um, as for the Derek Carr side, nothing too crazy from Derek Carr. Um, it was mainly just the Marshawn Lynch run and then the offense was done after that. So he didn't do anything crazy. For Detroit, um, Matthew Stafford didn't play. So you didn't really see anything on the passing side. The main takeaway, of course, Garrett Blunt is still there. He was the starter. I know everyone loves on Johnson, which is pretty much being one of the more flop-sided um, ADP picks. It's pretty much similar to the Joe Mixon situation where we all loved Joe Mixon last year and we were taking him really high, even though Jeremy Hill was still the starter. Like Garrett Blunt's going to start. He proved that yesterday, I mean the other day. And then on, he looked good. He looked good, but he also played well into like the fourth quarter. So it's not like he's immediately on the starter's radar. That's my only thing. Like we can say all the nice things we want about on Johnson, but his ADP just is, still does not reflect what he actually is. If someone's taking him in that sixth round, you're getting someone you may not be able to really use at a, as a viable option regularly until maybe week six, week eight. Who knows? Yeah, from, from that game, 
on the Raiders side of the ball. Um, I think we had a discussion a few podcasts back how I said I like Marshawn as a RB2. Uh, it hasn't changed. He's looked as good as I thought he looked last year. It was just kind of an issue with opportunities that he was given. So I'm still in on Marshawn. Uh, maybe if you have like deep benches or something, you can go get Doug Martin in the later rounds to handcuff him if that's something that you have to do. Because I think Marshawn's going what around sixth round or something. So say that's like your, say you went like wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end quarterback or something. Um, that's something you can do to try to to validate that uh, drafting. Oh uh, yeah, yeah Marshawn. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch right now. Fantasy football calculator at the six ten spot, half point PPR. Yeah, so I think it's a solid value for him there. Uh, other than that, another take from the Raiders, uh, Lions. I did like what I saw from Carry On Johnson um, as a UGA fan and alumni. I uh, got to see a lot of Carry On this past year. Uh, with the two games versus Auburn, and I was a big fan of what I saw then, and I'm a big fan of what I see now. Uh, the thing is, you are right, that he did play well into the fourth. Blunt's there. Abdullah's there. Theo's there. You got a lot of backs there. Stafford's going to spread the ball. Uh, where, for his ADP right now, he's not worth it. And say, like, if Blunt gets cut or Abdullah gets cut or traded or something like that, and then, and or they, or they come out and say – and Jim Bob Cooter says, yeah, carry on's our starter and we're going to give him the majority of backs, then um, uh, he's not someone I could probably take at this current ADP. Yeah, the carry- it's, it's so funny. It's like history always repeats itself. And I, that's why I just I just see this happening every year with fantasy where we're going to get super high on this rookie that's not even starting yet, which is funny because the next game we're running into that exact same scenario. It's not as bad, not nearly as bad with the Vikings and the Broncos. So we'll start on the um, Broncos side of things. I was really d- disappointed because um, I was really excited to see Case Keenum out there. I've been bullish on both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders coming out and having breakout years from the wide receiver position for the first time in a while. But it was just like a three and out on the starting offense. You saw them get taken out of the game, so not much to see there. On the offensive side, pretty much the only thing we noticed was the running backs because they stayed in for a while. Um, Devontae Booker got the start. He looked like Devontae Booker. We, we know the whole situation there. We're not excited about Devontae Booker. We don't want Devontae Booker in fantasy. He's just literally a giant roadblock for us to want to get on this Royce Freeman hype. Which even for me, I looked at Royce Freeman. He looked okay. Um, the main thing that I feel like is still, this could be recency bias over the years because I personally have been burned. He just looked like another typical Broncos running back. Because I remember the, the years of CJ, uh, I mean, CJ Anderson when he first came out. We're like, C.J. Anderson, first-round pick. He's playing with Peyton Manning. We have to love him. And he doesn't go out and produce the way we wanted to. I remember the Monte Ball year when all when all of us were saying that, oh, my gosh, Monte Ball is going to be the greatest thing ever. He's playing with Peyton Manning. The Broncos running backs are going to be amazing and everything. It's – yeah, it was, that was bad. I was one of those Monte Ball people. It took me in the second round. That did not, that did not go well at all. I'd, I'd like to forget that nightmare even happened. I'm not saying it's going to be the same thing with Royce Freeman, um, but it's just I'm see it's just the same narrative where we just automatically assume that hey we have a rookie we put this rookie with a new team and the running back ahead of him is not that great we're just automatically going to assume he's going to be good let's take him in the fifth round or something. There's they're splitting carries which is never a good sign so I can see a scenario where 
Royce Freeman may even be the starter, but he's still getting spelled consistently by Devontae Booker, and I, I just don't want to see that. Um, he did have a nice touchdown run. He made someone miss. It still didn't – it was a good – production play but i just did not see anything special from royce freeman and that's where i'm trying to look for when i'm looking at a rookie i'm looking for some special play to come out um similar to like oh first play you see saquon barkley you see why he should be the starting back i saw nothing from royce freeman to indicate that he's going to be productive outside of he just may get a decent opportunity and when his opportunity is him splitting carries then i just don't see the logic in it so i'm still not very high in the royce freeman I acknowledge if you just need a running back, um, they just need to take him, but I'm just not there on the upside yet until that situation gets like unmuddled a little bit. On the Vikings side, uh, I've been dreading this moment like all week. After I feel like, yeah, I do not hate Stephon Diggs. I just hated how much John loves Stephon Diggs. And then freaking first game of preseason, Stephon Diggs comes out and just makes me look like an idiot. So I was like, ah, that's, I'm not looking forward to this one. So yes. Big takeaway, Kirk Cousins looked great. Stephon Diggs looked like the Vikings were paying him to be an $80 million wide receiver. I'm even getting a nice like one-yard red zone touchdown, So, in, which was surprising that they didn't just go ahead and run it with Latavius Murray. So that was a big takeaway there for me. Thielen didn't even get targeted. Um, it was a pretty quick drive. Latavius Murray looked good. You didn't see Dalvin Cook still coming back off the injury, but Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs really stole the show in that one, and I – I know you want to go ahead and start banging the drum a little bit, John. So I'll give. Yeah, uh, Stephon Diggs kind of confirmed my belief that you know I just you know he's a more talented, better receiver. I just kind of thought that'd be someone that if Kirk had to choose to lock onto someone, it would be Diggs. And the only issue is the injury issue; it's still there. Uh, the upside is there, and I think Diggs is solidly where I have ranked as a very tail end wide receiver one. You can start looking at him at the very beginning of the third round. So nothing really changed my mind on the Vikings side of the yep. ball. You saying something there, Nick? Yeah, so yeah, fun ADP check. Um, I remember Stephon Diggs was late third round, early fourth. Preseason does make people start seeing things. Stephon Diggs, fancy football calculator, officially ahead of Adam Thielen now at 304. Adam Thielen's at 306. So Diggs is going right after T.Y. Hilton and Mike Evans, which I never thought I'd see that, so... Way to jump on top of it early. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because that's exactly where I had him ranked. And I thought that that was kind of like a hot take like a, like a month ago that Diggs was going to be, you know, a higher, uh, you know, bigger draft commodity than, than Thielen. So th- things are playing out there as I thought. Um, nothing nothing there, nothing else of note uh, to bring on that side of the ball. For, for the Broncos, um, I did, uh, you know, that is something I know he – Freeman, I think, was went in the third round, unlike guys like uh, Kerryon Johnson in the second rounder and Rashad Penny went in the late first, even though people thought he might be a second or third rounder. For example, those are two backs that I like a lot more than Royce Freeman. But Royce Freeman will probably be a better fantasy asset just because Devontae Booker is that bad. Um, however, I completely agree with you that he just seems okay to me. Nothing really jumps out skill-wise. or He doesn't do something really good where I'm like, you know, that gets me excited about him. So as current EP, I'm probably not going to draft him unless we see how he is over the next couple of games. And if he's really dominating and you know, dominating on the goal line or something, then maybe I'll have to you know reconsider a little bit. But uh, I'm kind of in agreement with you there when it comes to Royce Freeman. 
All right, then let's move on to the last game. The Chargers and the Cardinals. On the Chargers side, um, Phillip Rivers didn't play, so didn't really get to see anything from the passing offense once more. Melvin Gordon, it's funny, like the same narrative with Melvin Gordon fantasy continued. He got he got a few carries, didn't look very effective during those carries, but I'm sure if you looked at your fantasy team, you realized that he just scored 15 points for you. Don't know where it came from, but that's just he is. He's a fantasy running back, not the most efficient real-life running back. Still love Melvin Gordon. I like Melvin Gordon a lot. Um, so not too much on the car on the Charger side. On the Cardinals, welcome back to football, David Johnson. He reminded everyone why we were taking him number one overall last year with just two runs, but they were nice, explosive runs. And I don't know if it was just me, but it looks like David Johnson looks a little leaner, like he lost some weight, which gets me excited that he could be even more explosive outside the backfield. So that's what's on that side. Um Sam Bradford, congratulations to Sam Bradford. He played a game without getting hurt. Preseason counts too, so good good luck for that one. Probably about four more games before I see something bad happen to him. Um, he looks solid. Josh Rosen came in there, saw a couple good things. Him and Sam Bradford, thankfully, have a similar playing style, so even when Sam gets hurt, then Josh Rosen can hopefully come in and just pick off right the pace so we don't see any decline in our fantasy assets there. So that's my takeaways from that one. How about you, and John? Yeah, when it comes to the Chargers side of the ball, uh, no worry about Melvin Gordon. He's going to produce like always. He should be going in about like you know mid first round in drafts. Uh, maybe if it's like one point PPR, I might lean towards some of those receivers before him. But yeah, nothing, nothing changed my mind there. We didn't see Phillip. Um, as a Jet fan, I hate seeing Geno Smith. So this game was just kind of blah. Didn't really learn anything from it. Um. <laughs> coming to the Cardinal side of the ball. Uh, yeah, the biggest takeaway was David Johnson is still David Johnson that I remembered from two years ago. I think going into about a month or so ago, I thought David Johnson was my second back after Le'Veon. And then as we started to go a little bit further into it, I was like, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a little dumb to pull him ahead of someone like Gurley who has such a guarantee with workload and solid production last year. And then Zeke, it was also such a surefire thing with the with the line there. Uh, so I kind of dropped David Johnson to the bottom of that pack. If David Johnson still continues to look this sharp, because I know he probably also has the worst offensive line situation between those other uh, between those four guys, but David Johnson could easily go back to being the number one running back. And I really like what I saw. And you know, when it when it comes to the that top four. I'm not going to fault anyone if they say if they take David Johnson one overall, or if they pick Zeke Gurley and Le'Veon before him. And in any order, those guys can go, and I have no issues with it at all. Um, outside of that, uh, I'm not sure how many snaps Ricky Seals Jones got. He was someone I wanted to keep an eye on because I thought maybe he could emerge this year. So didn't see anything in this game, but that, he is someone I do want to uh, keep my eye on uh, for the next couple of games for the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals are in that weird situation where they seem to just be like Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson and nothing else. I do like the Ricky Seals-Jones mentioned there. We'll see how he comes out, but none of the other wide receivers I'm particularly really looking into. And just praying to God that Sam Bradford stays at least decently healthy so we can maybe get a couple decent streams out of him. But overall, yeah, that wraps up this week's state games. Man, and good things, good timing, because I know we'll start off tomorrow again with the Jets and the Redskins. We'll get to see if 
your group of malcontents, John QT, continue to keep um, getting in fights and get being punked by all the other Redskin, the defensive backs. So that would be fun to Definitely. watch. Definitely. I look forward to see Darnold throw for about three uh, touchdowns against starting defense. Oh, yeah. I never see that. Yeah. Three touchdowns, um, 400 yards, and then like him break the whole quarterback rating with like a 170, the first quarterback ever to get above 158.3. So, yeah, can definitely see that coming. So, that'll be entertaining to watch. But overall, then that is going to wrap it up for today's show. As always, you can always come to our website at fancyfootballstrings.com to see some of the newest podcasts you might have missed out on, latest YouTube videos, and our best articles that we currently have out. And we will catch you guys on our latest therapy session.